think you're getting enough calcium and vitamin D since your surgery? How do you know? How much is enough? Well, stay right where you are. Bariatric dietitians Gail and Isabel join me to make sense of it all so you know what to do. Coming up. They're back. Calcium Dark Chocolate Bars, a ProCare Health customer favorite. Now available online at ProCareNow.com. Creamy chocolate plus calcium and vitamin D. You'll love them too. Use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian, nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 136. Tired of all the hype? Tired of the confusion when it comes to nutrition, especially bariatric nutrition? Eat this food. No, don't eat that food. Skip certain meals. Try this diet to reset your pouch. Heck, Just do a detox. It's enough to make you say, forget about it. I don't know what to do. Well, I do. I know what to do. It matters where you get your nutrition information. When it comes to your bariatric surgery, nutrition is specific. Let's cut through the hype. Let's get the accurate information you need right now. Simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies that work. I want you to feel well every day. Get out there and do the things you want to do. I created the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast just for you. You're in the right place, and I'm glad you're listening. Please share the podcast. If you know someone you feel would benefit, let them know about it. And if you love the podcast, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Are you receiving the newsletter, Breaking Down Nutrition? You'll be the first to know about product specials and tips, the latest podcast, upcoming interviews you don't want to miss, like today's episode with Gail and Isabel, answering all your questions. Sign up today on my website, BreakingDownNutrition.com. And speaking of what you don't want to miss, in two weeks, bariatric sports dietitian Kim Tirapelli joins me. Do you need additional protein or carbs when you work out, especially if you work out hard? Well, Kim will tell you so you don't want to miss it in two weeks. Joining me are your expert bariatric dietitians, Isabel and Gail, who in their clinical practices have their fingers on the pulse of the most up-to-date information. Isabel Maples is the bariatric coordinator at UVA Health in Haymarket, Virginia. Gail Smith is the bariatric dietitian at the Weight Loss and Bariatric Surgery Institute in Orlando, Florida. You can find both Gail's and Isabel's contact information in the show notes. Well, hey, friends. Hey, how are you? I'm great. You know, I get lots of questions about supplements in the Facebook group, especially about calcium and vitamin D. So let's clear up a lot of that confusion today. And Gail, I'm going to start with you. What exactly is calcium? Is it made in the body or does it have to come from food or supplements? Oh, that's a good one. Calcium is a mineral. Your body doesn't make calcium. So yes, you must get it through other sources, food sources. Its job in the body includes building strong bones and teeth, but calcium also helps with muscles to contract blood vessels to move the blood and nerves to send signals between the brain and the rest of the body. Yes, the people always think that um, minerals have only one function and they don't. They have so many. Isabel. 
Is there more than one form of calcium? So if so, which is best for a supplement and why? Yeah, definitely calcium comes in different um, compounds, different forms. But after bariatric surgery, we recommend calcium citrate instead of calcium carbonate or tricalcium phosphate, which are a couple other common ones. And the reason we recommend calcium citrate is because it's easier to absorb and your body will absorb more of it. And you don't have to only take it at meals to be absorbed. You can take it between meals or with meals. So you've got some versatility there in your day. But um, one of the downsides is that it does cost more than than some of the others or taking a Tums or something. But the flip side of that is your body uses more of it. So it's kind of like a bigger value for your money. And it doesn't contribute to kidney stones. No, it doesn't. In fact, it can help protect against kidney stones that calcium citrate can. Um, And some people, particularly people with low acid levels, which of course, when you have less stomach, there's less acid in the stomach. So after surgery, you may get more, or if you took something like Tums or a calcium carbonate, you might get more gas or bloating or constipation. And, And that's never fun. No, we don't need more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, Gail, should you get your calcium from food first or also? What do you suggest? Well, if you can, I definitely recommend that food is always the best source of nutrients that are absorbable, including calcium. And one advantage of calcium-rich foods over other supplements is that they give us other nutrients, not just calcium. For example, let's look at milk. Milk delivers about 300 milligrams of calcium per 8-ounce glass, but it also gives you like potassium, magnesium, vitamin D, and of course, protein. Everybody needs that protein. Yeah, it's like a workhorse, has all all kinds of things in it. I love that. And you know what? Even canned fish like sardines and canned salmon offer not just calcium, but a very affordable source of omega-3 fatty acids, which is good for the heart and, of course, your brain health, as we all know and talked about in the past. And uh, along along with those, dark green leafy vegetables also provide the fiber and, yes, a smaller but still significant amount of calcium. That way, yeah. So, Isabel, when somebody's going, okay, great, I can get it from calcium from supplements, I can get calcium in my food, but how much do I need from these supplements? And after surgery, is that going to vary depending on the surgery that I had? Yes. Well, okay, my clinic only does um, the gastric sleeve and the gastric bypass. So, we recommend 1,200 to 1,500 milligrams per day. From, and that can be from diet and from supplements. That higher range is also for you know, postmenopausal women, for instance, who are already at, at higher risk for bone loss. And Gail, tell me what your, what your clinic does. Well, our clinic, because we do quite a few of the duodenal switch surgeries, we go by the ASMBS guidelines, the American Society of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgeons, and they recommend about 1,800 to 2,400 milligrams a day. And again, like you, Isabel, we also try to get some of that through food. So sometimes I may only recommend about a 500 to 600 milligram uh, tablet or chewable three times a day. 
And yeah, and I help the patients look at what they're eating. Like if I know they're a milk drinker, they're getting a certain, maybe they, they're not drinking a whole, a, a whole glass of milk at a time, but maybe they're drinking two, four ounces, so they're getting 300 milligrams. Or maybe we look at other foods that they get in their diet, so they may not need that total amount in supplements, like you said, but most people, you know, are going to need some supplements after, after weight loss surgery. Exactly. And I agree. And I think it's so important to remember that calcium needs to be divided up in, you know, in doses too, because the body absorbs, what, isn't it around 500, 600 milligrams at a time? And you don't want to waste it. You're paying for it. You don't want to waste it. And you want to get the use of that for your bones. Yeah. So remember this. So for instance, might be mid-morning, mid-afternoon, and maybe even at bedtime for somebody that's taken three a day. Yeah, I agree. I want to mention this about the blood calcium level. So let's say that you just had your blood work done and you notice that your calcium level always comes back normal. You might start thinking, hmm, I don't need most calcium supplements because looky here, my blood calcium level looks just fine. But here's the but, don't miss this. The blood calcium level is always kept in a normal range by your body. But when you don't consume enough calcium through food or supplements, guess what happens? The body just sneaks right on over to the bones and takes what it needs. And if this calcium loss keeps happening a little here, a little there, the bones can become weak, leading to falls and fractures, you know, osteopenia, osteoporosis. So the bones store 98% of the calcium in the body. So their bones are like a calcium bank account. You don't want to stop taking your calcium because you don't want to pull out of the bank account. Now, this is not true if you're having a blood level of vitamin D. This blood test is a good indicator of your vitamin D status and whether you need it or not. All right, going on then. Gail, other vitamins, other minerals that you don't like to mix with calcium? Yes. You never want to take your calcium with your iron. And here's why. Calcium and iron both get absorbed in the body in the same spot, which is mainly in the small intestine, either the duodenum and or the upper jejunum. So they actually compete with each other because they have to take turns getting absorbed. So if calcium supplements are taken at the same time as the iron or the multivitamin with the iron in it, neither the iron or calcium gets fully absorbed. You're going to absorb some. So if you're going to forget, take them. But the better thing to do is to take them at least two hours apart, I usually say. Me too. Yeah. This. Okay. So, and is this, um, this is where, talk about the bypass yes. of the duodenal patients. This area is exactly where the bypass for the gastric bypass and the duodenal switch patients occurs. So they need to be followed closely for iron deficiency. The, the Where that's absorbed is where we bypass that part of the intestine. So if they start out low, they get lower. And if they start out normal before surgery, usually even the men will need iron by the end of the first year. And I, oh, I visualize it's like a bus. If a bus shows up only once a day, there may not be enough seats on that bus. So some people get left behind. But if a bus comes at one time a day and picks up iron and then other times of the day for the calcium, then more calcium and more iron get absorbed. I like that 
<laughs> and I do too. I love that. And bottom line, more benefit to your body and to your journey, which is this is what exactly. we're all about. Well, Isabel, milk. Okay, boy, milk takes such a beating. And you often hear, I see this on Dr. Google all the time, that milk is not fit for human consumption. But yet you'll hear that, um, you know, when I'm saying milk, I'm, I'm saying mm-hmm. cow milk, but yet you'll hear that goat milk is just fine. So is this true or is this just more internet BS? Well, there certainly is a lot of information out there, Susan, especially about the nutrition benefits of milk. And definitely milk is perfectly fine and it's an acceptable uh, food in the United States. It's something that we typically get, you know, three out of the four nutrients that Americans are most likely to miss out on come from milk. So that's one reason to drink it. But if you're going to choose one person, for some people that have a trouble with the being allergic to the proteins in milk, cow's milk, they may not have problem with that with goat's milk. So that's where you might see, you know, goat milk being a choice for a select number of people. And so really both contain lactose, mm-hmm. that's the carbohydrate in either source. It's truly a personal choice. Milk is a high quality food. I am a pro milk drinker myself. So I, I don't play into the, the um, misinformation that you see fed on the internet. It's truly a f- personal choice. Okay. So here's a question. Oh, I wanted to say this because I get asked this question a lot as well. Is it bad for me to take my calcium citrate with coffee? So here's the deal. Yes, caffeine can slightly, slightly decrease your calcium absorption, but that amount is so low. What research has found is that the calcium loss was about five milligrams. I mean, that's tiny. Lost in a, in a cup of coffee, and I'm going to say a cup of coffee being about 150 milligrams of caffeine. So Let's put this in real world terms for your everyday cup of joe. You can easily offset this tiny loss of calcium by adding one or two tablespoons of milk to your cup of coffee. But let's say that doesn't work for you because you like to drink your coffee black. So the moderate amount of caffeine from coffee doesn't negatively affect bone health if, and here's the if, you take enough of your calcium and vitamin D through your diet or your supplements every day. So do you need to know to worry about it, taking citrate with your coffee? No, as long as you're getting your food and your supplements that Gail and, and Isabel are talking about, calcium and D every day. It's not a problem. Okay, I have to bring up this milk thing one more time because I'm really tired of seeing on the internet that milk causes phlegm, Isabel. <laughs> Please set us straight. Well, it's true that for decades, people have talked about milk causing phlegm, but it is not true. I mean, there have been study after study after study about this, and milk yes. and the milk proteins do not cause excess mucus or phlegm. People might feel that sensation of kind of a thicker um, coating on their throats or their mouth. And in the, even in the studies, they've done that studies like, for instance, with soy beverages that have a similar thickness and texture, and they get it from that too. It's not the milk. And don't you sometimes notice too, like if you've been drinking fat-free or 1% and all of a sudden you switch to full, uh, full fat milk or even 2%, you will notice the difference in the fat content. And it's, uh, you know, of course, uh, to me, it has a tasty thing, but some people might think, oh, that's the thickness on my tongue. And it's really the difference in the fat contents. 
Okay, Gail. Well, I think vitamin and calcium, good teammates, we want them, they go hand in hand. Why is this and why is it so positive to have them together? Well, vitamin D helps the body to actually absorb calcium from the intestine, especially if calcium intake is low and the calcium intake is usually low after bariatric surgery. So we recommend calcium supplements. If you don't get enough calcium before surgery, we know the risk of low calcium intake is greater after surgery when the less food is consumed, right? Because you're on clear liquids and Mm -hmm. full liquids. Yes, sure. So supplements provide that safety net to help protect us from low calcium intakes that could easily lead to bone disease and more. So you can take the vitamin D with your calcium, and they are often sold in the same supplement, usually 500 of each or 600 of each. Or you can get your vitamin D in your multi, because they usually put anywhere from two, 3,000 IUs to 5,000 IUs in your multivitamin that is a bariatric vitamin. Right. So Isabella, now we're, we're talking about D. What exactly is vitamin D and why is it so important? Well, I think of vitamin D as kind of like a family of, you know, D vitamins, and they have a little bit different, you know, compounds, but vitamin D is going to wear many hats in the body. It works with the minerals, calcium and phosphorus for absorption in the body and to help prevent bone loss or weak bones, brittle bones, osteoporosis. Um, So that's one of the functions it does. And also vitamin D is very important in maintaining a strong immune system. We heard a lot about that at the start of the COVID epidemic. But many people, maybe even most people, studies show 50, 80%, maybe more, of people who have weight loss surgery even before weight loss surgery, come in with the vitamin D deficiency. And overall, people in the United States tend to be low in vitamin D. I would agree. And that that percentage is high. So Gail, how much do we need? Uh, um, How much D do we need? And uh, as we did with calcium, does the amount vary with surgery? Well, it does. Um, Vitamin D... can be absorbed through the skin from sunlight, the sunlight vitamin with about 10 to 15 minutes to the face and arms and hands twice a week, but without sunscreen. And the problem is people just don't have that much time to be out there exposing themselves. This is usually though not enough to keep your blood level of D where it needs to be. And people with naturally darker skin Uh, have extra sun protection from the D and usually require at least three to five times more exposure, which is not realistic or possible depending on where you live. So some also, I guess I should say a lot of us are concerned about skin cancer. So we stay out of the sun, right? Mm -hmm. And that layer of fat in your body can help prevent the sunlight from getting down deep enough to make that change and, and create vitamin D as well. Very true. Yeah. So supplementation is recommended in the bariatric clinical guidelines. Recommendations are usually, like I said earlier, about two to 3,000 IUs or 50 to 75 MCGs for the sleeve and the gastric bypass, and usually a little more, 5,000 IUs, 125 MCGs for the DS patients, duodenal switch. 
And lab measurements vary country to country, but blood levels of vitamin D should be greater than that 30 nanomoles per ml in the U.S. or no nanograms, and then in the U.S. 30. And in the other parts like of the country, Australia, for example, might be greater than 75 nanomoles per liter. Right. And those that's I think it's so important to mention that the measurements mm-hmm. are different. So you do have mm-hmm. to look at the lab where you are, the country you're in, and the lab and how it's measured. So Isabel, is there a best form again? We we always are looking at what absorb because if you're gonna spend money, you're gonna take it. You want it to do what it's gonna do. So what is the best form of vitamin D or is there one? Well, vitamin D has um there's vitamin D two and D3 are the two you hear about the most, the two forms of vitamin D. And vitamin D3 is the one that is going to make the most impact on blood levels of vitamin D. And that's what really what we're looking at. What are, what are the blood levels in vitamin D? If you supplement with D3, you're going to see a bigger impact, but you can still get an impact with D2. It may just take longer. Now, in terms of where D3 3 and D2 come from, some people, that makes a difference. D3 is only from animal sources, like, for instance, fatty fish, fish oil, egg yolks, liver, uh, fortified foods like milk and breakfast cereals, uh, butter. So that's important to know if you're looking at, you know, where you want to see your vitamin D come from. Most of us are just not eating enough of those foods to make a difference. And then vitamin D2 is only from plant sources and fortified foods. For instance, Gail talked about how the vitamin, the sunlight can make more vitamin D in our bodies. It does something similar if mushrooms are exposed to light, a certain type of light, and then they can actually be a vitamin D source. So one of the things people can do from a non-supplement point of view, is look for those mushrooms that are specially treated. Not all mushrooms are going to be like that. Right. I love that. I think that's such a great tip. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at the supplements, typically you'll see vitamin D3. If you are really, you know, want uh, D2, then that's fine. You just, it just may take more of it to get the impact. So Gail, I know that there's talk now about water miscible vitamins, especially in the vitamin D3, I believe. So can you talk about what that is and why the benefit and what you should look for? Sure. The water miscible form is the micelle technology, and it has been developed a while ago for patients that have had a hard time absorbing the fat-soluble vitamins when they have a normal stomach and intestines to do that. And so bariatric patients can benefit from this technology. This technology wraps the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A, D, E, and K, into small water-soluble little packages, and they call these micelles. In this way, the fat-soluble vitamins can be absorbed despite the shortage of those bile salts and pancreatic enzymes that are in the intestines to help them to break them down. So... The gastric bypass and the duodenal switch patients benefit from this more since their intestines have been shortened or bypassed, making it harder to absorb these vitamins. So most of the bariatric vitamins, but not all, have this water miscibility feature in the vitamin. 
And they usually are suggested for the DS patients, and they oftentimes have that higher dosage of the D3. Another option. Yeah, that's a great thing. It's a great thing. And there still is that other option just to give higher amounts of these fat-soluble vitamins, but sometimes this is not necessarily a good thing since more, you, you know, might cause problems. Yeah. More is not always better, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, as always, thank you. This is a lot of in-depth information. So go back and listen to this two or three times if you need to, to make sure you're clear and understanding what your body needs now since your surgery and so that you can ask the, the bariatric dietitian and the clinic that you go to. And thank you to both of you. Always appreciate your time. Such valuable information. Always a joy to be here. Always fun. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Isabel. Yes. So don't go back. Double check your supplements. Be sure that what you're taking is what you need for your surgery through supplements and your food sources. Remember, it's never too late to move ahead. You're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.